Welcome to The Other 23 Hours, a JPCF community podcast, where we put stories behind the faces you see throwing down every day at our gym. At JPCF, we strive to create a safe and welcoming environment for every athlete to excel. These are just a few of the many stories our community has to tell about their fitness journey. I'm your host, Coach Jasmine Gerritsen, and this is The Other 23 Hours, a JPCF community podcast. Let's do it. Oh, hi, friends, and welcome to The Other 23 Hours, a JPCF podcast. I am super, super excited for you today. Whenever you do a brutal wad and you're laying in a puddle of your own sweat and tears and you wonder who would program such a wonderful, beautiful and monstrous thing, well, we've got your answer right here, folks. Our special guest is none other than the man behind the mayhem himself, Tim Wells, also known lovingly as Timothy Wells. Y'all are in for a special treat. Welcome to the show, Tim. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. (laughs) How was that intro for you? That was great. Good job. I heard you giggling. I was side. giggling a little bit. I was trying not to. I was trying not to interrupt too much. <laughs> so, for folks who who don't know, when you get excited or happy, you tend to talk through your nose. I just get a little stuffy sometimes. What this is? This is. I guess everyone's just learning about this now. Yes. Okay. So when I'm with my 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 close friends, of which you are among, <laughs> and I get very comfortable. I and I don't realize I'm doing it. Yes, I just just gets a little stuffy. A little stuffy. It's a voice. I don't mean to do it. it. Just happens. So I think it's safe to say that pre-quarantine we were friends, mm-hmm. but like quarantine really accelerated our friendship no, process. For sure. Yeah, yeah. We 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 potted up immediately without intending to, because we're like, oh, well, we still have things we can do. Let's let's continue working and whatnot. But it's been the best thing for our relationship, our working relationship, our friendship. And I'm very thankful for it, which is a very weird thing to say about a, a pandemic and a quarantine and whatnot. But I mean, it. I feel that way. Like the relationships you do have, that you're able to keep in contact with somehow build stronger. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Tim and I have gotten into watching like anime together. Mm-hmm. We've, we've really, in case you didn't know this, Tim is really into like angsty punk music. Mm-hmm. And so am I. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes <laughs> We'll be sitting here listening to Paramore or Flyleaf for Tonight Live, and we're like jamming out, and we're writing these atrocious workouts for you. Uh-huh. Hell yeah. That's what, that's, that's what we do. So, Tim, I'm sure our listeners want to learn literally anything and everything about you. You are a mysterious man. <laughs> I don't know if others empathize with this, but when I first met Tim, I was like, wow, he's a little on the quiet side. Is he? Is he thinking mean thoughts about me? Is he judging me? Is he, is, he, is he scrutinizing how he can take me down? But the truth is he was actually probably thinking about his lunch um, or maybe 10 other things. Mm-hmm. So, Tim, want to tell us a little bit about how did you even find JP CrossFit? How did you even get here? And then we'll kind of unpack a little about your personality and how that fits into how you create an environment. So I was a custom cake decorator, one of those you know fancy pants decorators like cakes i feel like cakes were kind of a big deal on tv and on the internet maybe 10 years ago or 15 years ago with cake boss and ace of cakes and and all those shows and so i was right in that wave or maybe i followed that wave a little bit i have a degree in sculpture and so naturally after i graduated school i worked at coffee shops um, (laughs) for a couple years for many years actually 
And I got to a point, as you do in your you know, mid to late 20s, where it's like, I don't want to work in coffee shops anymore. This is ridiculous. And so I started kind of looking. And I had no experience with cakes. I had no experience with, with anything, really. I think maybe I made a cake or two. I think now that I'm actually thinking about it, the very first cake I ever made was for my uh, one of my dad's birthdays. And it was a, a square thing, and it had green icing all over it. And he was sitting, or maybe he wasn't sitting on it, but there was a lawnmower that I made. And half of the cake had spiky green frosting, and then the other half where the lawnmower had already been had smooth green frosting. <laughs> I even think the steering wheel was a pretzel. And so that was the first cake. And so I maybe made like four or five silly things like that over the course of a couple months. A job listing showed up probably on Craigslist for a cake shop that just opened up in Winthrop named Amanda Oakleaf Cakes. And I applied and I got the job. I was their third employee maybe fourth wow. employee. When I started, there's only five or six of us. And that was the very, very beginning. I was, I was within the first couple months of them opening. And I worked there for five years, four did, years. Did you self-teach yourself how to I mean, Amanda, create cakes or did you have a mentor? I mean, I, I, I just made it up. You know, you just, I'm not really much of a, you know, watch a video on YouTube and try and emulate it. I just kind of make it. So um, you made a beautiful replica cake of different things just by well amanda taught me the basics uh-huh. and then you know she was very good at being you know kind of hands-off and allowing you to find your invoice and find the things that you like to do and whatnot and so we gravitate towards this kind of cake gravitate towards this kind of cake did your and sculpture major do you think that helped you oh, sure. yeah, 100%, yeah learning how to visualize a thing in space and then make it for sure and so that was where the look at a picture of a thing and try to recreate it I, I was eventually specialized in, this, in the sculpted cakes. And so here's this character, make this out of cake. I made this, you know, R2-D2s and, and sculpted dogs and buildings and whatever. And so your job is to look at this 2D picture and create it 3D. So that was what I did for a long time. And I, not surprisingly, I think to a lot of folks listening, I kind of dove in pretty hardcore. Mm-hmm. I was probably working 65 hours plus a week, mostly on the weekends. It's the kind of job where, you know, everyone wants a cake on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. No one wants a cake on a Tuesday. And so Monday and Tuesday were kind of like our slow weekend days off kind of thing. And then you show up on Wednesday and you're basically there till Sunday straight. There were plenty of nights where I would go home at one or two or three in the morning and I'd be back at eight or 9am. Have you always been someone that dedicated to your craft that you would spend 60 hours at work like even at school were you someone who just in school I was definitely home? yeah in school I was definitely like that but I think that was more I'm just it just takes me longer to do stuff it just takes me a long time to do stuff I should say I was the kid in high school that if I'm writing a paper I will obsess about a sentence for 30 minutes and the final product is going to be a freaking masterpiece but the extent or the, the lengths I would go to get there were in hindsight ridiculous I just it just the, the, the end product is always great. I'm, I'm, I'm always confident that I can pull out something, but I tend to take a long time to get there. And that's still the case today. I think your but attention it, to detail is, is so incredibly evident in everything you do yeah. uh, here at, at CrossFit. Your wads and your spreadsheets yeah. and all the competitions you run like in-house. It's, it's very evident, your, your attention to detail and your ability to just kind of rig things up and make them happen. Or, or the way, yeah, or the way you set up a room so that 
14 athletes could fit with barbells. When I think of CrossFit, I think of like, ah, oh, sports bro, blah. You just like throw, throw some dirt on it and you lift the barbell. But then you have someone like you come in who is super artsy and also super buildy. Like you just, and you, you mix that with CrossFit and you get beautiful products that fall in line with like, with being able to, to build art. I don't know. It's, it's interesting to think about taking CrossFit and how you run a gym to like the next level. Mm-hmm. I think you do that very well. Thanks. So you, you were, you were in that cake shop and you did cakes for a while to the point where if you Google Timothy, Timothy Goff, uh, and cakes, you'll find cakes online with you, right? Mm, I don't think so. Right? No. No? If you Google my old shop. But, okay. my, but my name wasn't attached to the shop. I was uh, just kind of okay, okay. So what's your uh, old shop so people can Google and find pictures? So it was uh, Amanda Oakley's Cakes. They, they, we, when, we, when we moved to Boston, we eventually got big enough that we were able to move to Boston, which is always a dream. And uh, when we, we moved to Boston, we changed it to Oakleaf Cakes. So if you Google oakleafcakes.com, you'll, you'll find the shop that I used to work at. The, and then if you go to Sculpted Cakes, there are some cakes still there that I made. But obviously, I, I haven't been there for, I think it's been... Five years, I think, mm-hmm. if not more, since I left. So they have obviously a lot of history now that has happened since I left. But there's a couple things on there. That's cool. Um, but yeah, you'd asked how I found CrossFit, and it's, so cakes happened, and I was obviously burnt out because you can't sustain that for a very long time. And I needed a hobby. I needed something to do. I used to live. So the gym is at fifty. For Hyde Park Ave, I used to live at 14 Hyde Park Ave. So it's literally 200 feet away. I could run there and back in, in a minute. And I lived right nearby and I needed a hobby. And oh, there's that CrossFit gym right there. Cool. I don't know what that is. I didn't know what a burpee was. I had really never touched a barbell before. And I remember I walked in and I think I met Logan. We talked, whatever. And then I signed up and I started going to the morning classes. I met Jade. I met Miguel. Not current Miguel, different Miguel. And I just kind of started. There was no fundamentals back then. There was no free trial back then. You just show up. And <laughs> OG style. Man, I can't even... Like having coached now for as long as I have and run the gym now as long as I have, I can't even imagine what that was like. I don't remember. I don't remember what the first few classes were like. Imagine just being like, here, here's a barbell. Here's how you snatch. Yeah. <laughs> we did find, I think we were with Logan when he found some journals of some old wads. Uh-huh. And they're definitely pared down a lot more from what they are now. Yeah. So maybe that was helpful. Yeah. But still, yeah, that is pretty It's cool. It's like, how did we learn anything? Like, how did, like, it's hard to, it's hard to imagine. And I went through it. I just don't remember. Because that was in March of 2014. That was six years. And so you hadn't heard about this CrossFit thing. You just showed up and did this thing. What was your history with sports before that? I grew up playing sports, but I was very bad. I, I played baseball basically from, the, from probably first, second, third grade all the way through high school. But I was never any good. I was skinny, lanky, not coordinated. And, you know, by the time I got to high school, like I was on the freshman team, my my high school had a freshman team and then a JV team and then the varsity. And so I was on the freshman team, obviously when I was a freshman, um, didn't play. And then I made the JV team sophomore and junior year, but didn't play. 
And then I didn't make varsity. I wasn't good oh, enough no. for varsity when I was a senior. Yeah. I played hockey in high school because I kind of followed my brother's footsteps. I basically just did whatever my brother did, mm-hmm. my older brother. And so I played hockey because he did. Terrible at that. I didn't play. And what I, about these sports do you think were, were difficult for you? Or why do you think, knowing you as someone who so zealously jumps into things and, and quickly masters them, what what do you think was the barrier for you for those um, I if I, I don't know if I've actually thought about this, but if I I think the social aspect was hard for me. So it was very interesting for me listening to Meredith's podcast the other week because she was talking about team sports and how wonderful it was and how like the camaraderie of your team and whatever was like memorable and, 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 and really, really important to the whole process. And I had the exact opposite experience. I don't know if it's, if it's boys or if it was just the town that I grew up in, which I have opinions about, but my, my experience on team sports was nothing but detrimental to my just, you know, destroyed my confidence, you know, getting pushed and locked, like, you know, locked in lockers and getting so experience like hazing. Yeah, for sure. The hazing and, and bullying. I was, I was, you know, I don't, I don't know if my high school experience was any worse or better than anyone else's. Um, I'm sure it was perfectly normal, but for me, that's it, not, that's not normal Tim. No. <laughs> no, but I was, I was, I was, I wasn't beat up at very much, but I was not accepted gotcha. on the teams because I think in order to have that camaraderie, you have to be good at least mm-hmm. on the boys' teams, um, and I was not. And so I was not really – I never felt welcome. And it's one of those things like, man, I kind of wish I'd done some – what's the video? What's the – not a team sport, but a solo. Like, a, like an individual. An individual you know, sports. But I never did. I never played single one. I only did team sports, and I kind of wish I hadn't. And those are the sports that are kind of readily available for most people right. at the very, very inception of yeah. their sports, you know. Because hockey wasn't at that bad as baseball was. Maybe I just went to high school with some shitty people. <laughs> Where did you grow up, Tim? Uh, I grew up in Southwest Connecticut. I mean, Wilton, Connecticut, a very one percent, you know, area. My parents did a very good job of teaching us that my brother and I that this was not real life. This was not, you know. But we went there for the schools. I got a very good education. I was terrible. I was a terrible student, mm-hmm. but. I technically went to a very good high school. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, but yeah, but once, once, once I graduated, I'm the youngest. Once I graduated, my parents just got the hell out of there. I don't think any of us really loved living in Connecticut, which is fine. Whatever. I'm, I, I do think now that I'm 36 and this is well removed, I think I'm a better person now for the experiences I had mm-hmm. as a kid. I think they've made me a better person because I imagine what those folks are like now, mm-hmm. and I just I'm, I'm I feel happier. I think I'm better off than I. Uh, I don't know. I just I appreciate those those experiences, but while they're happening, I was like miserable. Yeah, totally. And so you you played some sports throughout kind of high school mm-hmm. and just didn't enjoy them. wasn't very good at them. And then what about college? Did you just kind of throw yourself into your art? And you were like, that's it. So, I mean, I went to school originally at University of Maryland for two years. I was studying architecture, but I wasn't really studying architecture because I had no interest in architecture. I went to college because everyone goes to college. Yeah. At least where I grew up, everyone goes to college. And that's just the thing you're supposed to do. 
and I did not belong in college. I was a terrible, I was, when I say I was a terrible student, I just didn't, I didn't really get much out of school. I always went to class. I never had a problem going to class, but I would do wonderfully on assignments, but then I would fail the tests. That's just how I learn, how I, how I operate. And in, and in the moment, I'm like, oh man, this is, I'm, I'm so bad at this. And, and in hindsight, yeah, this is not how you learn. Maybe there could have been a better way for you to, you know, spend your time learning and whatever. But took I, I got to the end of my sophomore year and I said, this is enough. This is, this is ridiculous. I'm not getting anywhere. This is a complete waste of time. It's a waste of my parents' money. And this is ridiculous. So I took a year off. I didn't know that. Yeah. And I took a year off. I ended up going to a school. I did a short. It was like a uh, maybe a four or five week program studying acoustics out in Ohio. Kind of random. Um, more evidence that I had no idea what I was doing and where I was going. And then I went to UMass Amherst to study acoustics. <laughs> I had no idea. And I, well, I had this idea that I could design and build recording studios mm-hmm. and, and whatever, because I kind of sounds kind of interesting, but really not like, what was I even doing? I have no idea. And I got, again, got to this point where it's like, this is ridiculous. I am so sick of school. I'm so sick of this. I'm terrible at it. I'm getting straight C's and P's, um, which is good but not good enough for me mm-hmm. and so i i don't know i don't remember the decision to switch to art but i did i wanted to i originally went into art to do woodworking and, and build furniture um and whatnot and i was very resistant to the kind of traditional art school you know uh, shows and 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 uh galleries and whatnot because i thought it was just over my head whatever but i ended up being pretty good at it. And so I did that for three years, or two and a half years, I guess. And that was the best decision I had made in my life up to that point. It was the first time, I think art school was the first time in my life I felt good at something. What and do you think I, and that I is? Think, and I think I can say that confidently. I think it was just, I don't think, in when I was in high school, I don't, I don't remember thinking or being given the impression that art was realistic, that that's something that's worthwhile. Because again, I went to high school with, you know, bankers and and uh, the yeah, sons and daughters of lawyers and doctors and you know all these fancy pants people. And you don't you 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 go to school to become a lawyer or to become a doctor or to, yeah. or to and and that wasn't me. That definitely wasn't me. We knew that from the beginning. And art was not didn't it wasn't realistic. I wish I could go back to the counselors in my high school and be like, y'all should have paid attention and like put me in the direction that I was you clearly going yeah. and not where everyone else was and where I should have been going. Like, I don't know, whatever. I totally have feelings about my hometown. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and so that, anyway, so I, I went into art school and uh, eventually found my, my niche in sculpture and uh, ended up having a very, very successful sculptural career at, at college. My, my, I didn't go to my graduation. My my graduation, the equivalent of my graduation was the senior was the the the, the awards show. That was the same day, and I cleaned up at it. I got best in show. Like uh, the every at the end of every year, everyone just kind of puts all this stuff together, and my thesis got got all the awards, and it was really it was really cool. It was a very very special day. I'm not surprised about this. Yeah, I got best crushed. in show. I got best in sculpture. I got best of my class. It was it was really. It was cool. It was a lot of fun. 
And so you you did sculpture. Mm -hmm. And then how did you end up here? I after college, I guess. Yeah, so I so I was out in Western Mass. I lived out there with my ex for a year, maybe even less than a year. Um, I graduated in 2007, so then I moved out here in 2008, and we broke up almost immediately once we moved here. <laughs> like, we moved here. Together. Yeah, and then broke up. Um, the hope was the hope to try to keep you guys together. But yeah, we, yeah we were kind of having problems out west, but we decided that our problems weren't with each other. It was with Western Mass, because there's nothing really out there for us. And so we're like, let's move to Boston. I always wanted to live in Boston. All my best friends from high school went to Boston. And by the time I got there, they had all left. Gotcha. And so I didn't really know anyone out here. But I ended up at a coffee shop, working in a coffee shop in Cambridge. Um, that's where I met Ashley. And uh, that was in 2008. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, and so I did the coffee shop thing, and I tried to do the art thing at the same time. I had a couple shows, but I haven't had a show since 20, 2000, I mean, honestly, 2008, maybe maybe 2009. Is that something you'd ever want to go back to trying to do? I don't think that's the route I would go with art stuff. I, I don't think so. I have ideas. I always have things I want to play with, but I would do it for my own personal enjoyment and for the enjoyment of my friends and family, but I don't, I don't have a strong desire to go back into galleries. It's just, as you can imagine, the amount of time I put towards it yes. to not make any money off of it. It's, it's not, it's, it's, it would be foolish. For those of you who might not know this, Tim showed me a photo of himself when he was in college and he had done like three all nighters or something like that. And you're like sitting on a chair asleep. Oh, it was more. Yeah. So, so yeah. So there's a show. This was in January of 2000. Nine, and the only reason I know that is because that was right after I moved. Ash and I literally just started dating. So yeah, it was um, post college. It was post college, yeah. So um, yeah, I woke up on Wednesday morning, went to work. I left work at uh, I woke up at well, five o'clock on Wednesday morning. Went to work. Uh, I was probably out by what one or two o'clock. I drove out to Western Mass on Wednesday night, and I didn't sleep until Sunday. That is nuts, Tim. Because I had a show on Sunday. And I had to build all these things in in place. Like, and it was not from scratch. I had, like, prepped it as much as I could. In hindsight, obviously, if I were to approach this now, as a much older, wiser, you know, artist-type person, I would not do that again. I would, <laughs> I would design things that don't need to be built in place. Um, but, yeah, I was working straight. I, I mean, obviously, I took, I, like, I fell asleep as I was working a couple times, but I never actually like, laid down to sleep. And it was bad. I was I was hallucinating. I was um, hearing voices. I was straight up like it was bad. it was not great. And yeah, that was so that was Wednesday morning to Sunday at like six or seven. Ash and I had been dating for like a month. She was probably like, "Who what knows is this guy what the doing? hell?" How she like? But anyway, that was yeah. I think I would be remiss to not ask you about your favorite art pieces that you've ever created. I think uh, most of my listeners are probably just being like, Jasmine, ask this question. Uh, and I've been dancing around it. So what what is uh, the favorite, I mean, most of your art piece that you created? I mean, the, the big one is the dress. I made a dress out of thumbtacks. That was the most popular. That was the one that got me the most attention. And so I made, I, I made a dress out of vinyl, basically. Um, and then over the course of however many months, just 
filled it with 32,000 thumbtacks. Oh my gosh. And that got a lot of attention. That was pretty cool. It's no longer with us. <laughs> it was on display in a, in a window and the weight of it melted the mannequin. Oh my God. In the sun. Because it was in the sun. That was really what it was. And, uh, and it melted. Uh, which was a little embarrassing, but I got it back in a bin and I carried that bin around for years with the intention of someday remaking it. I took it apart. I, I took all the thumbtacks out. I have them in bins and I got rid of the dress, but I will, I intend to, to remake that again because it's one of those things that great. I look at pictures of it now and it's like, I could, I could do better. I could do that. Thing. But that was the one, the big one in terms of my favorite piece. It's not the most exciting to look at for folks, but what it means to me personally, like I have a, I found this old mirror frame on the street in Cambridge and I, you know, put a giant piece of paper in it and I filled it with just handwriting. I just wrote, you know, a line of text and then went back and wrote another line of text right on top of that. And then a third line of text right on top of that. So it's clearly my handwriting, but you can't read it. And so that was a, it was a self, it was a self portrait because it's a mirror. So it's a self-portrait, and I just wrote about my feelings and my hopes and dreams and, and everything, just everything. I went nuts for weeks filling this thing, and it looks – I love it. It looks beautiful, and it's amazing how honest you can be when you know that no one will ever read this. Because mm-hmm. even if I had a journal I, that I wrote in every night or, like, a, on my computer or whatever, like, there, I still would hold back just in case someone found it or – you know, read it. And so I'm going to hold back a little bit, but when you know that no one will ever be able to read it, you go nuts. You go very, very honest and it's all there for you to see. You can't read it, but it's there for you to see and you can try and figure it out, but you're not going to. And there's something very satisfying about that. And I love that piece. It is hanging in my parents' dining room. That's beautiful, Tim. I love that you shared that with us. I was hoping you would share that story. Um, Folks, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll get into more about how Tim navigates CrossFit and is our head coach. Bye. Oh, hi, friends. We just wanted to take this commercial break opportunity to remind you all about all the stuff we have going on, even during quarantine. Every day, Monday through Friday, we have two Zoom classes, one at noon and one at 5.30. We're also hosting in-person community workouts at the English High School track on Saturdays at 9.30 a.m. and Sundays at 11 o'clock a.m. Both communities have equipment and non-equipment WAD options. Plus, people bring their puppies, and puppies are cute. So, join us. Conversely, if you find you can't make it to our classes but still want to get your functional fitness on, we're recording and posting all of our Zoom classes on the JPCF YouTube channel. Subscribe and check it out. If you find that you're wanting some more personalized Metcons or strength wads made to work with your equipment limitations and specific skill level, we are also offering options to purchase personal training programs made just for you. Lastly, make sure to check out our Facebook and or your email for further info about reopening and other events we've got going on. Now, back to the podcast. Oh, hi, and welcome back. Before this, we, we were chatting a little about Tim and his, his life and how he grew up and how he ended up here. But as you know, 
because it's Tim, nothing can be simple or boring. We must take <laughs> it to the next level. We must RX plus it. And so uh, instead of continuing on in the kind of normal fashion that we that we were, we're gonna we're gonna mix it up a little bit. We're gonna do some some am wrapping for timing, almost emoming kind of thing whereby I am going to spit fire questions at Tim and he needs to respond to them as quickly as he possibly can. This is, this is stressful. This is, do you feel the stress? My palms are already kind of good. I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like we should have some background music. Like <laughs> You can put that in post. <laughs> put the background music. So uh, again, what's going to happen is I'm just going to spit fire questions at Tim and he is going to answer them as honestly as he possibly can. Are we going to do a timer? Sure. Let's do a timer. All right, Tim, he's he's going. There, There is the, the beep. Oh, by timer. Oh, it's gone. 10 seconds. 10 seconds. Woo. You feeling it, Tim? I'm, I'm, you, you, I'm can't little, I'm you can't look at my computer. You can't look at my computer screen. Looking. There you go. All right. Two, one. All right. Favorite color? Mm, top, I top, guess Tim. Like a, like, a, like, a, like a burnt red, brownish red that kind of sounds, thing. That sounds appealing. Um, favorite band? Bacon, bacon color. <laughs> favorite band? Uh, Paramore, easy. Oh, so good. How did you gain spreadsheeting spreadsheeting skills? I don't know. I just started doing it. I don't know if I have a fast answer to this question. I just, I don't think I have that many skills. Like, I think I just can make them look nice. I have like three tricks on spreadsheets and I just make them look nice. But I have no experience with like, like I just, I just made it up. So I don't know. There's your answer, folks. He yeah. just made it up, made and it somehow up. it looks magical. Wow! If well, Isaac, we were also gifted. Well, Isaac <laughs> said something once about how, like, you know, like other folks that he knows that are good with spreadsheets are not like office people, computer people, data people. They're artists. You know, if you know how to make this column add up these things, you know how to make this information go from that one to over that one. It's just a matter of making it look nice, which is what I spend way too much time doing. So. Excellent. Okay, up next, favorite and least favorite cakes you've decorated? Hmm. Favorite cake is usually the last one I ever made. It was a guitar, a standing upright guitar uh, for my wife's cousin's wedding. It was easily the best cake I ever made. It was the last one I ever made, and it was for family. It was a very further for the wedding. Um, and it came out pretty damn good. Least favorite? There was a cake. I actually still get anxiety about this. There was a cake um, that it was a standard just round cake, and they also to have figurines of buildings uh, for in Boston, like on top of it. And this was early on. This was in the first within the first year or so. Person had paid us to like make figurines of these buildings, and they were just it was just too small. This is very very hard to make this very large thing into like a little two inch. It was it was bad. It was that was bad. That was bad. I, I literally still look at the is it the Hancock building. Mm -hmm. That I still have to get anxiety when I look at the building. Oh my goodness! Who is your favorite athlete in the gym? Wait, wait! Don't even answer that. I know the answer. It uh -huh. is me, Jasmine. I am your favorite athlete in the gym. Next question: uh -huh. uh, What is the most ideal way to cook bacon? Uh, slowly. I have found that if you put the bacon on and it just lays it flat and it's nice and low heat, and if you have 20 minutes to do it. 20 minutes? Yeah, 20, maybe 15. And just flip it every once in a while. It keeps it nice and flat. Mm -hmm. It doesn't get too, too, too crispy. And it's delicious.
Tim, I'm all about getting that frozen piece of bacon, chopping it up, throwing uh-huh. it on, putting and it on high. Spits, it spits it, everywhere. Don't ever get... try to cook bacon without a t-shirt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is uh, your favorite song? I, I, mm, the sound of your voice. Wow. 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 You can edit that one out. I don't no, know. That I don't... one's not edited. That one's so good. That one's staying. <laughs> he said it. You can't know it takes these backseats. I don't know if I have a favorite song. I don't know. I can't. This is hard. All right. Sound of my voice. It is. <laughs> there it is. Y'all heard it here, friends. All right. Who is Tanner? Jasmine or Tim? Wait, I got that one too. No, Jasmine. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely me. Look. Okay. You're right. It's, yeah. It's he's, he's a shade darker. A couple shades darker. Ah, fine. Um, how long have you been cutting your own hair? I cut my hair for the first, let's see. I still had a ponytail when I got married in 2012. That was October. I cut it in December. I got a really bad haircut. Like that was the last time I paid for a haircut was in December or January of 2012, 2013. And it was a really bad, like, 90s haircut. Ooh. I looked like Luke Perry from 90210. That part down the middle oh, with, no. with the, the two swoopies off to the side. Oh, God. And I had that for about eight hours, and I went home and cut it myself, and I have cut it myself since. So I, I do love how your initial instinct is, this person did this thing inadequately. I'm going to learn oh, this entire bad. new skill so that I can do it myself. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> um, if you had to pick between rescuing Jasmine or international superstar Keanu Reeves from a burning building, who would you pick? Um, I would obviously pick you because yeah. I know that Rob would appear out of nowhere and, <laughs> and, and save Keanu. Also, Keanu is well-trained in the way of he would just save himself. He's fine. He would just like, fly. He'll, he's fine. fine. Mm-hmm. How should coffee be prepared? Oh, cold brew. 100% cold brew. Yeah. I I haven't had, like, I don't drink hot coffee anymore. I don't drink really anything hot anymore, I don't think. I prefer the cold version of almost Ugh. everything. Um, but uh, cold brew. I make a gallon or two at a time, and it's delightful. Ugh. Up next, we're hitting our, this is our spitfire round. Okay. Um, here we go. Ready? Yeah. Pork rinds or jerky? Jerky. Almond Atlas bars or peanut butter Atlas bars? Almond. Squat clean or power snatch? Squawk clean? That's obviously... Squawk clean. <laughs> Power snatches are just so satisfying. Sometimes. I hate snatches. What's your love language? That's not a Spitfire round. We're out of the Spitfire round. That was it. That was it. I'm going to go out with more. <laughs> uh, touch. 100% touch. No doubt. Um, what is it? What are the other ones? Uh, acts and words and... Gifts. They just, and gifts just make me feel awkward. That's, that, that's what I get stuffy. So... It makes me feel awkward. I don't know. I like it. But touch and, and I guess time would be, uh, no time. Yeah, time um, would be a, a close second, I guess. That's why we get along so well. Uh-huh. Those are my two love languages too. Uh-huh. Cute. <laughs> cool. And our last question is brought to you also by our listeners is, uh, how did you propose to Ashley? Ashley um, is Tim's wife. Let's see. So we met at a coffee shop and we worked at a coffee shop together. We started together in 20, 2008, I think. And at a holiday party for that coffee shop, we rented out, or the, the, the coffee shop rented out um, Trina's Starlight Lounge in Inman Square in Cambridge. And so we closed down the place and had a party there. And um, the, the coffee shop had a tradition of, of 
doing awkward speeches. The owner would always just get up on a chair and give a speech, and it was always well-intentioned, but it was always very awkward, and it turned into this running joke that we always had awkward speeches. And so sometimes folks would want to uh, contribute to the awkward speeches. And so with this particular year, I want to say it was December of 2011, I got up on a chair and just started talking. <laughs> what? I don't remember what I said, um, but it involves me kneeling on a chair, Ashley kneeling on a stool, because she was higher up, in front of probably like 67 people. Well, maybe uh, 40, 50 people, which is way out of character for me. <laughs> what? I would have never guessed right? this. Yeah. Wait, what and made you even decide to do this? I want to get married but like in front of all the people too. it happened it happened what? i don't know that was it was it was it just happened so wait okay so so you're kneeling in front of her mm-hmm. and you're saying stuff mm-hmm. are you saying like just random stuff or are you like oh who, know, who knows actually, i have no idea i'm sure someone there might remember i mean this is a long time ago then but like i blanked i blacked out 100 blacked out no idea um and people screaming people crying it was great it was a lot of fun i'm glad i did it but it also probably would have been good to have someone record it. Well, actually, maybe I don't want that. I probably don't want that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that happened. And she was like, okay, I guess. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's go for it. There are pictures on Facebook somewhere. That was long hair, so I had long hair and it was down. Oh. That was like one of the few times that there's pictures without ponytail. It was it was down that night. Wow. Wow. It's not great. Wow, that gives me anxiety to think about. <laughs> right. It's, it's funny. like Because, honestly, I would not do it that way. Today, this was mm-hmm. different. You know, we we change, we grow. It was almost ten years ago. So, that was a little extrovert in you coming out. No, oh, God, no. Waiting to shine. Nope, not at all. Wonderful friends. Uh, well, that concludes our questions with Tim. Yay! Thank you all for submitting many of the questions that were were read out here today. Hopefully, we can do this again with with other mm-hmm. other interviewees. Come up with more questions. The Spitfire was fun. Spitfire was fun. Yeah. We need to do more. more of those. Yeah, we just keep a litany of them. Cool. And so, friends, I uh, want to kind of bring us back to CrossFit. And since we have Tim, the guy who who creates these these wads for you here with us, I want him to kind of walk through his thought processes when he creates one so you can kind of understand where he's coming from and how he programs and, and does all that kind of jazz. So... I mean, constantly varied is, is obviously like the, the biggest part about what we do, right? And so I want to try and, you know, hit folks with just as much different as many different stimuli as as we can so short things long things heavy things light things and so that's that's basic everyone i think everyone knows that and so the week usually starts with whatever we done for a while we haven't done over squats for a while oh we haven't cleaned heavy for a while oh we haven't done a big set of wall balls for a while we haven't done short fast sets of handstand push-ups or or whatever and so it usually just begins with a vibe like what 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 haven't we done for a while and then you know so okay i want to do a big set of double unders cool what haven't we put with double unders for a long time and so then a workout just kind of happens you know it starts with one and that ends up being a, what, like an eight to 10 minute workout. And then that's an AMRAP. And so the next workout should probably be for time. And maybe it should be a little bit longer. And then you look at the week, you have five workouts now. And it's like, okay, I have five AMRAPs. Well, no, we should probably do at least one or two for time. You kind of switch them around and move them around and stuff. And, oh, well, this, now we're squatting three days in a row. Can't do that. So then you move one. 
maybe change this movement to a dumbbell snatch instead of a squat cleaner, whatnot. And it's just a big old puzzle. It's 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 Tetris. It's it's taking this movement and putting it in this one, and making sure that the rep total makes sense. We're not doing 800 sit-ups, um, or we're only do, you know we're not just doing six handstand push-ups. We should do at least 20 or 30 in a workout, stuff like that. And making the workouts themselves isn't really the hard part. It's once you have five, making them balance with each other. That's usually the hardest part. And yeah. that's where you, Jasmine, helps me a lot as well. Yeah, ja- We just sit here. Sometimes we're like, oh, no, wait, we're doing dips. And the next day we're doing handstand push-ups. And the day after that we're doing pull-ups. And yeah. then they're like, oh, wait, that's going to be some shoulder issues yeah. there. It's been much harder during the quarantine because our movements are so limited and we're not really running during the week. It's also hard to make long workouts when we're all just kind of like in our living rooms. but And keeping the volume relatively and keeping the, well, yeah, doable. Like we don't – like during normal programming, during the normal gym time, like we probably wouldn't clean twice in a week. We probably wouldn't do pull-ups twice in a week. But during the quarantine, it's like, yeah, we'll probably do sit-ups twice. We'll probably do push-ups twice. We'll probably do deadlifts twice. Squats, we'll squat three times a week easily. Part of, um, part of that, I don't know if you feel this, Tim, is, is – Oftentimes, at least two or three times a week, we have a lift, right? So mm-hmm. say there's some sort of clean in a workout. Right. So in order to build for that, we'll, we'll, we'll build in time during that day, 15 to 20 minutes where people get to kind of build to a heavy movement. We get to look at your form. We get to coach you. Um, but when it's with a kettlebell, it's hard to be you like can. do six complexes yeah. of cleans and high pulls. It just doesn't hit the same stimulus. Which is why we've been doing so much tempo stuff, which honestly, it's kind of it's not better. It's, it's it's a thing that we do. And we always did tempo stuff, but we're just doing more tempo stuff now, at least twice a week. Uh, tempos and pauses and, and, and whatnot, and a lot of extra midline stuff. And I, th- I do believe it is paying off mm-hmm. a little bit. I've seen some folks, you know, squats looking better, mm-hmm. more stable. You know, how many people held a two-minute handstand hold the other day? That was wild. Wild. Um, wild. And I also think... What's nice is during this time period, folks have been able to really, seems like folks who have been coming to Zoom have been coming super consistently. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because it's accessible. Maybe it's because folks are feeling comfortable with the movements because, because you know, it does take a while to learn a snatch and a clean and jerk. And, and you know, we, we do spend lots of time in, in classes to, to help folks get a kipping handstand push-up and stuff, but mm-hmm. that's not something we're going to encourage you to do when we can't coach you. Um, so the movements are more simpler. So maybe maybe those all those reasons combined. But it always makes me think about going back to the basics and how that's it's important. You can never get enough of learning how to do a good air squat. Yes, um, that's a, that's up. a that's a good point. Like the first couple of weeks when we were trying to figure out how to program, a lot of it was just going back to basics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that when we are back in the gym, like I think a lot of folks will be in a better position you know, physically, uh, and, but also with their, their fitness, they'll be in a better position to lift heavy, do a lot of our, you know, dynamic gymnastic stuff just because of the, the little things we've been able to do this whole time. We've gotten 13, 14 weeks of skill work in, which Strong, is pretty stronger joints. Yep. Folks have gone up in dumbbell weights. Like some folks who never thought they would use yeah. an RX dumbbell. I mean, Amy with her 35 pound, 35 pound dumbbell, Amy. I love it. And like I myself used to like 
really kind of fear the 35 and now I have a 40. You have a 40 at home and then you used the 35 mm-hmm. the other day and destroyed me in that workout. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of, I think forced folks to yeah. pick heavier weights and get better at them or get better at the weights that they used to use. Cause yeah. we're doing it so much, so much more frequently that now we're like, all right, I think it's time for you to try to get a heavier dumbbell because you're crushing it, which is delightful to see. It yeah. just shows that practice does help. It's very satisfying. And I'm, 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 it is like, you know, when we first started, when we first shut down, there was obviously this huge cloud over our heads of like, or this weight, I mean, of like, how do we maintain people's fitness? And I think I can confidently say 14 weeks later, 13 weeks later, that I think, I think we did it for the folks, for the folks that we were able to, to connect with it, it, it worked, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. It's really cool to see. All of my housemates have been taking CrossFit now for mm-hmm. yep. for about three months yep. since quarantine's been what, almost four mm-hmm. now, and it's really cool because I hope they join. I hope they well, come. two of them have never done CrossFit before, yeah. and one girl did pole fitness and could not basically oh, do yeah, a yeah, toes yeah. bar, yep. um, and then she just flipped and did a toes bar. Yep. And she's like, "Oh my god, my on a pole, on a, on a pole, on a pole, yeah. like pole dancing pole." And then my my partner Sarah like could not do poles before. And she, I would, I would give her CrossFit style workouts to do like on her own, but the intensity isn't there. Right. And you don't, and she wasn't doing it necessarily every day. And suddenly now it's been three months of doing CrossFit five days a week with some breaks every now and then, but she does it five days a week. And she works out without you too. She works out without me. Yeah. There's times where I'm like, I'm too tired. (laughs) So she does it, but she, she got some strict pull-ups and she does strict push-ups now from the ground. Um, It's so cool. And she started off with the 18 pound kettlebell and now she's at the 25 pound kettlebell, Mm -hmm. which is, which is pretty dope. So I think it kind of goes to show that like barbells are cool and fun and, and stuff, but, um, you really can keep getting better. There's so many ways you can, you can change the stimulus. Is there, when, when we're not in COVID, how do you normally handle like strength days? What is that like for you programming for those? Um, I mean, so actually, that's actually, I haven't thought about this for a while, um, <laughs> because there's been a, a kind of a debate, you know, Chris, going back to when Chris was the head coach, like we would, you know, we question what's the best way to, you know, do a quote unquote strength cycle in a CrossFit context. Um, cause you know, like the traditional, the standard way to, to think about it is, okay, well on day one, we'll do a five by five you know, five sets of five reps of deadlift, whatever. And then the next week we'll do a five by three and then we'll do a three by three. And it, the, every week the, the, the weights get heavier and heavier and heavier until you're down to, you know, a three by one. And then finally a one, like a one rep max. Mm-hmm. Linear, um, linear period. Exactly. Is what that's called. And, um, which works really well, which works really well. But the problem, at least with the, at least the problem that I have with that in the, in the context of CrossFit is like, you know, like I'll do a deadlift day on this Monday and the next week it'll be on Wednesday and the next week it'll be on Thursday and then maybe then Tuesday or whatever. If you miss that deadlift, you like you only deadlift once a week. You only deadlift heavy once a week. And very easily someone that comes four or five days a week might just miss that day three mm-hmm. weeks in a row. And yet now you suddenly haven't deadlifted for four weeks. And it's the inconsistency of a day-to-day programming. Like, like we program five workouts a week. And they occasionally involve some lifts. And if you don't 
come all the time, you're getting inconsistent training. So it's like you might deadlift. You might, you might get that five of five, but then you won't deadlift again until like four weeks later mm-hmm. when we're down to like three by ones or whatever. And there's just uh, – it's it's hard. That's that's the framework that we were just kind of – that we were kind of given. And I don't have an answer. I haven't, I haven't thought about this for months um, since since before we – you know, since before, before the pandemic. But I don't have a good answer for it. And that's why – like that last strength cycle, I, I think it kind of worked, but I, I think um, if I could offer you an answer, uh-huh. I think that's where these specialty classes come in. Good point. The, the only yeah. class and the powerlifting class, because it's expected you are coming every Saturday yep. or you're coming every Sunday. And so we can mess around with now we want you to do a three by two yep. or we want you to, you know, start with a find your heaviest one. And then after five weeks or six weeks, yeah. find a one rep max here yeah. and it works pretty well and incorporating the cycles mm-hmm. into that that was a new thing we did that together in, in in olympic lifting class that i believe logan also does in powerlifting now too mm-hmm. where we'll, we'll we'll snatch for five weeks and then we'll clean and jerk for five weeks and we'll just kind of build uh that way and obviously you have to come every week to really brief the, ben- the benefits but that's a good point because at the end of the day we're not a powerlifting gym right. we're not an ollie gym we're we're a crossfit gym right. which means we we do multiple forms of fitness to get fitter right. uh sometimes it involves barbells sometimes it doesn't but that's not necessarily the focus yep. but in general all the things we do right builds yep. our strength and our general capacity and, and our general just fitness levels yeah i mean that was chris's argument against a traditional strength cycle is that okay even if we aren't doing a, a heavy back squat from a rack you know, every week we are doing wall balls. We are doing goblet squats. We are doing air squats Mm -hmm. and you will get stronger. You will get fitter over the course of a period. Um, I I think keeping um, it constantly varied is the point. Yeah. I think it's kind of similar. Like if you want to get better at back squatting, then you're going to want to do a linear periodization Mm -hmm. program, maybe on the side, like that can aid you. Right. But that doing a back squatting program won't get you fitter at pull-ups or presses or whatnot. Like it's very specific what you're looking for. So it's kind of keeping those two things separate in your head, like mm-hmm. understanding why it is that you're doing certain things, um, why it is you would want to do a supplemental program versus like a general fitness program, which is what we do. This has been Fitness Nerds with Tim and Jasmine. Cute. <laughs> Submit any other I was saying <laughs> We lost them. Oh, Everyone's asleep. Done. Um, all right, friends. So thanks, Tim, for uh-huh. answering those questions. Just, uh-huh. I think it's fun for folks to kind of get an understanding of how hard it is to do yeah. all of these things. Yeah, I mean, welcome to our – this is us every week. Just uh-huh. how, do we, how do we do stuff? Like, how do we crush them? How do we, how, do we, how do we make the folks – how do we make the people fitter? Uh, that's, a, that's a nicer way to say it. Yeah. How do we make them fitter? <laughs> how do we crush them? All right, folks. So we're coming up to our closing questions. So we always ask the same – Two. The mm-hmm. first question I'm going to ask is, what is your favorite movement and or workout or both? Uh, my favorite movement is a squat clean for sure. It's a barbell. I know I'm a gymnastics kind of guy, but the squat clean has – I specifically say squat clean because I don't know. It's just fun getting underneath the bar and it's heavier. And uh, I, I think for me, I still see myself as like a skinny, small – like heavyweights are not my thing and they generally aren't except for that one thing. I can squat a lot um, for someone in my shape. And 
I don't feel like I should be able to do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I can, and it makes me feel it makes me feel like nothing else in this room. Cleaning a heavy ass barbell, I freaking love it, um, and I miss it because I haven't been doing it very much at all. I've been lifting in my basement, kind of, but I can't clean very heavy. Too tight. Too small. Too small. Too small. Opposite of large. Large. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so cleans. Uh, if I have a favorite workout, I mean, my favorite JPCF benchmark that I made was is Red Rover. That's the 10 down to one descending ladder of toes to bar and wall balls. I just like it because it's fun as hell and it's fast and I like to move fast. My favorite hero workout is probably Hollyman. Mm. Hollyman is crap. You think I remember this? I want to say it's thirty rounds. I always say fifty. Is it fifty? I think no, it's thirty. No, I think it's thirty. You're right. It's I think 30. it's thirty rounds of five wall balls, three handstand push-ups, and one power clean. Um, RX is two twenty-five, one fifty-five. <laughs> I'd like it more if it was a squat clean. So we are at our final question, and normally we ask. Um, the question of if you could cast a Patronus, what memory would you use to cast? But because J.K. Rowling, bye. we are not doing that. Bye, J.K. Oh, J.K., bye. <laughs> um, so, bye for that question. So instead, we have a more fun, Tim-worthy question. And it is, if there was ever a movie made about your life, who would play you? And <laughs> what's the one scene from your life that you would want to make sure made it into the movie? Well, the first part's easy. Obviously, it would be Lin Manuel Miranda. Oh, so good! There'd be singing in my in my movie, <laughs> and I would not be singing. Would there be a dance sequence too? I, I mean, if it's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, probably. But yeah. like dancing with barbells, maybe mm-hmm. that would be the name of your movie. Dancing yeah. <laughs> with barbells. Not a sequel to Dancing with Wolves. <laughs> dancing with Wolves. Yeah. So, last year in April of 2019, I went to Laos for the first time in my life. Uh, my mother is from Laos. It's a little country in the in, the, in Southeast Asia, and um, that trip was full of of that was an it was an amazing it was an amazing trip. I I really hope it's not a once in a lifetime thing, but I kind of approached it as if it were going to be a once in a lifetime thing. Going to Laos, and also going to Laos with my mother. Um, and because it's where she she spent a great deal of her of her youth, and I'd never been and. The one thing in particular I always go back to was when we first landed, plane landed in Vientiane, the capital, and we were in a cab on our way to the hotel where we were staying, and we hadn't even left the parking lot. We, were, we hadn't even left the airport. We were sitting at a red light waiting to turn out of the airport, and my mom is in the front of the cab. I'm all the way in the back of the cab. We had like a, a minivan kind of thing, and... She's already excitedly like pointed at this tree that was right next to our uh, right next to the car, and it was a plumeria tree. Uh, it has a really pretty white flower with a yellow center, and the flowers. I think it's three or four petals. It falls off the tree as, like as a flower, as a full thing, and then it's just sitting on the ground. They're everywhere. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's the national flower of, of Laos. And my mom is telling us stories of how when she was a kid. She would, on her way home from school, she would collect the flowers, um, and then she'd get home and she'd string them together and hang them up. And I'm in the back of this cab just losing my shit. (laughs) I am sobbing. I am just 
bawling my face off because my mother still does that. She still walks around the woods and collects things and strings them up and hangs them up. And it's, it's was the first time in my life, like you, you, you can maybe see pictures of your parents when they're kids, but it's, it's another thing, especially when your mother is from literally across the world and you're standing, you're sitting where, where she was when she was in, I don't know, equivalent of fifth, sixth grade, eight years old, nine years old, whatever. And you just picture her, you know, just skipping along the street, picking up flowers and taking them home. And, and she's still like that all these years later. Um, I just, I lost it. I absolutely lost it. Um, and it was a very special, it was one of many very special um, things that happened during that trip. The trip was way too short. Um, but it was, uh, I think about it. I think about that, that, that moment, mm -hmm. honestly, kind of a lot. Also, I've been thinking about it a lot lately because I have, I'm have a, I have an appointment for a tattoo next week, actually. Yeah, you do. Um, to commemorate that trip to Laos, including, and the plumeria flower will be an important part of that. It'll be one of the more prominent features among other things. So ah, maybe, more. maybe by the time this comes out, I'll have it and people will. I'm going to put it on the, 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 yeah. the pictures. Yeah. We can at least put it on after. Yeah. Well, thanks, Tim, for, for taking so much time out of your day to to answer all of our questions mm -hmm. and to, to share so sincerely and honestly about your life and about how you kind of ended up here being our, our head coach and my friend. Mm -hmm. So thanks, folks, for listening. And uh, we hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> that was not planned. <laughs>